and he's sitting on our, our living room couch. I said, Don, how did you know you were supposed to move there? What was like, did you have a vision? And he said, that's the wrong question to ask. And I was like, what? That's a really interesting response. He said, the question was never where I was going to go. The question was, would I go? Mm. And he said, so I had to, God had to work on me long before he could lead me anywhere to have a heart that was willing to do whatever. He said, the hard part was getting to a point of surrender where I would just be obedient. And God could say anything to me. Welcome to Along the Way. I'm John Matarazzo, your host and fellow traveler. Thank you for joining me along my way as I try to become more like Jesus every day. I love when I have the opportunity to talk with fascinating people and learn how God has met them along their way. Everyone has a story, and I believe that we can all learn from each other's journey. Through my work as a television producer, I get to interact with some of the most amazing people making an incredible impact for God's kingdom. In this episode of Along the Way, my journey connects me with a really good friend, Doug. Doug and I have served together as missionaries for many years and have remained great friends. He recently took a brave step of faith and moved his family to a country where being a Christian puts their lives in danger, but the call of God to reach the people in that region has beckoned him to the ends of the earth. If you want to know how to really trust God in everything and to keep your edge sharp, then you'll want to hear what Doug has to say. Before we get to the interview, I want to let you know that I always enjoy getting feedback about how my Along the Way journey is helping you. If you would like to connect with me, you can find Along the Way on Facebook, Instagram, and at my website, alongtheway.media. You can find all my social links there as well. You can always email me at johnalongtheway at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your feedback. And now, here's my Along the Way conversation with Doug from YWIN. Well, Doug, thank you so much for being on Along the Way. It's a pleasure to actually have this conversation with you. We've been friends for quite a while, and so I kind of know your story already, or at least I think I know most of your story. We've uh, lived together and uh, served on the mission field in various capacities. Yep. And so, Doug, could you just kind of explain a little bit about your life and uh, who you are? to the listeners absolutely well thanks for having me this is very exciting what's going on with um the along the way podcast and the whole theme behind this whole program is is pretty cool but my story um kind of begins with my parents um my father was uh not a christian growing up but went to church and someone shared the gospel with him at his college campus and he got saved, and my mom was leading the Bible study at the campus, and they became pastors and then missionaries, and so I grew up surrounded by that. Some of my earliest memories as a kid was going out on the streets and preaching to people, traveling around the country. Um, I can remember, now that I have kids, and you think about different toys the kids like, I can remember my dad when we were kids, we'd gather us around every time he'd be leaving to another country, and we would get our best toys and fill his suitcase with them. Mm. And so, I just, you know, those are the type of memories. That was how I was raised. So it wasn't, they didn't, like, preach at us, um, but we, we they lived it. They were very authentic. So we had people staying with us all the time. We are always bringing people into, like, our family. 
So it was uh, chaotic at times and never dull. It was a wild childhood, thinking about it now. Um, but it was full of people, and that was the ultimate thing. It was always somebody we were trying to help or somebody was joining, um, mm-hmm. you know, what what the Lord was doing in our story. So that's how I kind of grew up. And then when I um, was a teenager, I really felt like I wanted to be involved in missions and do that. So that never like left my heart. I never had a massive rebellious stage where I didn't think that that was something I would want to pursue. And I remember someone asking me, a missionary who lived in China, when I was like graduating from high school, like, what do you want to do with your life? And I just, I didn't really have a like clear direction, but I just, I remember telling him like, I just want to like, I feel like God's given me so much. I just want to give back in some way. Obviously you can't give back to God. Like he's more than anything. But at that time that was just like, so for me it was, yeah. So I, I mean, obviously I had many hiccups along the way and many mistakes, but throughout that, process of maturing I was always thinking about like this is where I come alive this is how I was raised this is like in my blood I love talking to people about the Lord I love meeting people and I love like the, how messy it is yeah life <laughs> is like messy. super messy when you get involved with people yeah and um, it's it creates like your your story totally changes your life changes from some conversation you have and and some of it's heartbreaking and super mm-hmm. disappointing but also sometimes it's incredibly refreshing but it's 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 an adventure and that's how i've known god is it's always like an adventure and i yeah and i'd say it hasn't always been like exciting but there's a joy that's deeper than excitement and i think you get that when you have the highs and lows with god because you get to experience his broken heart for people right and that everything's not cut and dry and clean his story wasn't clean no. No, so yeah, so that's kind of how I was raised. And that's how I got into missions. So when I graduated high school, I went to college for a short time and then I decided to go full time and serve in, in missions. So I was in YWAM been in YWAM since two thousand two. So it's been great. Yeah, and that's where we met. Yes. You were my uh small group leader in my discipleship training school and uh yeah, we've been uh, friends ever since. And, we uh, we went to the Middle East. Yeah, fifteen years ago, sixteen years ago. Oh my gosh, had a that's great such time. A long time. <laughs> and uh, you know, youth of the mission. My favorite thing about youth of the mission is one of our mottos is "Do first, then teach." Mm-hmm. And I loved being around people that weren't just like hypothetically talking about doing stuff, but they had actually done it. And that's what motivated me a lot. So that's what's fun about the DTS program, Discipleship Training School. Mm-hmm is it's not just like a classroom but we get to go and we did we got to go and then we're still going yeah one of the things that i really admire about you is you your dad and mom and your brother and his wife and a couple other people went from the pittsburgh base to start a base in boston and then all of a sudden you found yourself in charge of the pittsburgh base and um enjoyed working with you uh, for the many years that we did that together and then God moves you guys, moves the whole base to the city, and that has been your heart for a long time. And then God puts something on your heart that's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd like you to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, um, I think always in my heart has been 
unreached peoples around the world. And I think, I don't know when that began, but, you know, I do think a lot of it has to do with as you're kind of form, forming heroes in your mind and you're reading through the Bible, a lot of it's like many people are ignorant. I And I was, you know, as a kid, I was exposed to missionary stories and what those people did. And I really looked up to them. And so as, yeah, I mean, that's always been in my heart. So uh, when I was um, director in Pittsburgh of YWAM, I was great to send people around the world and to travel with them, short-term trips. But about three years ago, I felt like, well, actually four years ago, I felt like God saying like, how are you going to personally help more people to go to the places that are least exposed to the gospel. And me and my wife would just sit at night and we'd talk about it. We'd say, well, what, let's take like a trip around the world for a year or let's do this. And I said, well, maybe first we need to get around those people that have done that mm. and get educated by those people, those doers, and not someone from, you know, somebody we'll never meet, but let's invite them. So we spent a month and we closed all our ministries. And I was really busy at that time running a lot of inner city ministry outreaches. And we just said, for the next 30 days, we're going to do nothing but pray and educate ourselves about what's going on around the world. Because there's huge pockets. We all know. I mean, probably everyone listening to this knows there's large portions of the world that don't know about Jesus. But a lot of times, we're not fully educated on that. Mm. And I, as a mission director, knew a lot of those things. And constantly was interested in that sure. but I found a lot during that month I, I felt like I met people and I it became much more real to me and at the end of our time that month we just all sat in a group we had about 30 people that just spent that month praying and saying what are we going to each individually do not tell other people do not inspire other people about what are we doing because obviously we believe that Jesus wants us to go to the unreached to the least and those people that will never get an opportunity here and that we feel like from what the Bible tells us that it's a great injustice that's going on in the world that God commanded us Mm -hmm. and it's not just like some hypothetical option for those weird people that like to eat food in foreign lands or learn other languages it's for everybody we got to do something each one of us so I was just sitting there going well what am I supposed to I already kind of do this you know but I I remember just at the (laughs) the end of that month I said okay like me and my wife just prayed and we said we'll do whatever like we'll go but I, w- I was also ha- had maybe a little bit of a savior complex I thought okay. I w- all, everything I was doing was so important and I mm. couldn't leave it and I did I had in a lot of ways I had a lot of important things I was doing and so the thought of leaving all those obligations and family members and ministry opportunities and it wasn't like things were going bad it was going great, and um, but I felt like, man, maybe God will have us do something. So we just prayed and we said, okay, God, we're going to do something by the end of the year. We don't know what that is. Um, so it was in March, about four years ago. So we just said, we're going to go somewhere by the end of the year, figure out something. And so I just had spent that month with these missionaries that had, some of them had, you know, had martyred family members, mm-hmm. had served in the most dangerous places around the world, had exposed themselves to unbelievable things. And some of them maybe hadn't been in danger themselves, but they had just been faithful. Some of them lived in places that were peaceful for, you know, but I remember sitting down with one couple and they had lived in India. And I said, what was the hardest thing? And they said, putting our daughter on the train 
to go to boarding school and seeing her cruise away. And they said that was like the hardest thing in the world, knowing that God had called us, but we couldn't teach her, so she had to go to boarding school on the other side of the country. And hearing those stories were very inspiring. And I said, well, if they can do it, you know, we can't, like, we got to get, like, on it, you know, basically. Because right. so, you, I mean, you and your wife have a few kids. Yeah, we got three kids. And we, at the time, um, had two other young men that were, like, a part of our family, older young men that had, we'd brought into our household. And uh, we were taking care of them. So, yeah, we were. Because I adopted them. Yes, yeah. yes. And yeah, and I still, they're still considered both those boys my sons. So it was a very interesting time for us. So yeah, I mean, we had a house and all that stuff and our whole like life was kind of set up. But this thing deep inside of me was like, what are we gonna do about this? And uh, it goes back to that do first and teach. So I felt like if I'm telling people to go to the, and I am leading them on short-term missions, maybe God has something for me like more long-term. And so I just said, I'm gonna try to do whatever I can do to go somewhere and try to help in this these areas of the world that don't have access to the gospel. Because at the end of the day, that's how I want to spend my energy and my life. Mm. That's what gets me up in the morning. When I think about the world, I think like, wow, this is great what's happening. This person's doing that. But what I feel like particularly called to it and I get excited about is like places that, you know, they have no Bible in their language or they have you know just a handful of believers or no Christians in the entire people group and that that doesn't do it for everybody but for me yeah I get excited about it so that was kind of our beginning on that journey and so you moved your whole family yeah to a country that we're not going to name <laughs> yeah. for safety reasons yeah so we just decided we're going to go and it's kind of amazing how it worked out but um, my dad went to a conference and I said find anybody from Central Asia any of those countries and he just it was a missions conference and he found a, a guy there and I remember he called me he said hey I'm gonna put you on the phone with him I said great and uh, he, he didn't really speak English that well so we were kind of chatting I said hey do you need help I said, I'm willing to do whatever you need me to do so this was like in September of that year and uh, he said yeah come I'm gonna be here for another week so I drove the next week to meet him and I said I'm coming January 1st I'm buying my tickets and he said, really? Like, now? And I said, yeah, yeah, we're coming. And like, if you need help, we'll be there. So we just didn't really have a plan. And people were kind of asking us how it was all going to work out. And I didn't really understand how I was going to get a visa um, and be able to live in that place long term, country we're now in. But, you know, I really do believe that God orders our steps. And one of my favorite takes on the scripture is that he's a flashlight to our feet, meaning like, he doesn't give us often like a long distance plan, but he just gives us the next inclination. And I always feel like I don't hear God like super clearly sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, like people have visions and verses pop into their head and they have pictures. That doesn't normally happen to me. Um, it's only happened to me a few times. But normally my walk with God is like trying to be obedient and just feeling an inclination. So I felt that inclination, expose yourself to what's going on in the world you know, for like a year. And then I was like, okay, shut down everything I'm doing because I'm too busy to even think about that stuff. And then I was like, just find somebody from that country. And like, that's how God led us. And so it was kind of an adventure. So yeah, we just showed up there, didn't know anybody. And my that guy I had met, met us at the airport and they dropped us off at a random old Soviet Union apartment and left us. And I only <laughs> saw him once that first like three weeks. Wow, and uh, I was just out and about exploring the city and trying to figure out where's, you know, how do I 
I was buying kefir and I thought it was milk for a few weeks and all sorts of stuff. So I was making all, I didn't know how to, the exchange rate, how to get a cell phone. I remember I, it was like, I had all these uh, utility bills coming to the door and I'm like, I don't know how to pay these. Where do you do this? There's, oh, wow. so he had to take me down to where you pay him at the post office. And I had no idea what I was doing and I couldn't pronounce the post office word. And so I wound up at a police station Oh, okay. And the police is like, what are you looking for? I'm like, I'm trying to pay my gas bill. How do I do that in my broken language? And anyway, he was very nice. He drew a map for me, and I finally made it to the post office, and I paid my electrical bills and gas bills and all my utilities. So it was an adventure, and God, you know, you have very frustrating moments. I'm not like 15 years old, so I'm set in my ways in a lot of ways. And so going over there, even though I have traveled my whole life and... How many countries have you been in? Uh, I don't know. A lot. A lot. Yeah. I don't know. 30 probably, something. Yeah, yeah. Probably 35 or so. But many countries. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess I would say that going over there revealed like a lot in my character that I needed changed. So I think God's really patient about that. But I remember freaking out like I can't stay in this tiny apartment. I can't speak to these people. You know. And so there was a big adjustment at first. But God's faithful. And he did start to break me. I had a few anxious moments. I'm sure. Yeah. But um, in my family, I remember the first day we were like walking around. We were so scared. Like I said, let's just go to the store. It's like, it was like maybe four blocks away, a little grocery store. And so we all went and it was the middle of winter. And so it was freezing cold and they don't shovel the sidewalk. So we're all like penguin walking to the store. And then um, the next day I said, okay, you guys go. Just my wife and the kids. And I remember watching out the window like, are we going to get, you know, what's going to happen to us? We just were very ignorant. We didn't know anything about the country or the culture. You don't speak the language. No, and we're just, you know, scared because you, you think so much about that area of the world. And a lot of it's fear driven into us from, you know, seeing stuff on TV or in the sure. news. And, and yeah, so we kind of had to break ourselves from that. Um, and I, I just think that was just had to happen by experience. So after a while, we really settled in, and we didn't have exactly a ministry, but then God led us to an amazing ministry um, that we love, and that's like right up our alley. So now we've been doing that ministry there for for the first six months. We were just trying to figure out, and then we found a real home there. So um, it's been awesome. So that's 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 remarkable. Yeah. That takes a lot of guts to move your whole family, your whole life to a place that's not comfortable. But yeah. the uh, the call of God is greater than the creature comforts that this world has to offer. Yeah, and it's cool because you get um, new experiences that, like, you just never knew that you'd be interested in. Okay, like you know? what? So, yeah, like, not just foods, but, like, you know, I <laughs> just, like, making making dinner with, like, three random items that you could find at the grocery store and fun stuff like that. Like, I feel like I was like a child again, you know, a lot of ways, mm. learning the first words of the language. And But in spiritually speaking, you know, um, I was probably at a bit of a cruise control before I went. Um, and, you know, people would come up to me and say, oh, God, it's so great what you guys are doing. You're leading this ministry. And I would go, yeah, yeah. But I think, yeah, it puts you back in a place of trust yeah. where you got to trust God again for, like, basic things. Like, you know, um, 
just for the emotional wherewithal to get through a day. Right. I hadn't really had to do that probably in a while, you know, before yeah. going there. So, yeah, just simple things where I'm like, okay, God, help me not lose my mind. Help me stay focused. Help me be a good husband today. Because I really feel like freaking out. I'm losing my mind a little bit, you know. We're in this 15-foot apartment, and I'm just going crazy. And, uh, yeah, I can't drive there. Can't You know, so all that type of stuff. But that becomes an adventure in and of itself mm-hmm. with God. And you start to learn more things about him. And this, then, the, like, scripture you take for granted all of a sudden become alive again. And you're like, oh, wow. wow, that's really refreshing. Yeah. And stories that you've read your whole life that mean, you know, maybe at that point in your life, not that much to you. They're just kind of building block stories. They go back and they become, a, like, new again. Hmm. And that, that definitely happened to me. Like what? I would say stories of, like, Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. Going to something that seemed impossible and becoming totally refreshed by that vision that seemed impossible and then seeing it happen. That's a story I, I knew, like, front and backwards. I could teach a lesson on it. But now, like, going to a new place and having to find, like, vision in it where it seems, like, very hopeless in that area of the world. You know, Islam can make a lot of people feel very hopeless and it can overwhelm you at first. And I'm sure that's how Nehemiah felt. But Nehemiah feels like a cartoon story because hmm. we're so familiar with it like i'm so yeah it's a flanograph story you know so you're like oh yeah they built the wall and everything was cool and then he called you know and, then, and but then you know you go to a place where it feels really hopeless and then you go wow he really felt like that hmm. you know he i can understand how people the opposition felt because that's you know and simple stories of miracles that jesus did become like because you really need god like in a new way at least i did you know and i just and then reading through the Psalms, stuff that I kind of would go, yeah, that's kind of like, I don't know, you know, Psalms can seem a little bit fluffy or, yeah, yeah, yeah. not like real, you know, but then I'm like, man, I, I had a hard time waking up this morning and feeling motivated and feeling like excited because this is so overwhelming. And so I'm like praying and going, I really need the Psalms today. Mm-hmm. I really need to know what it's like to have that intimacy with God where he just helps you put one foot in front of another you know so that's the type of stuff that became like fresh to me again wow which was cool for me that's awesome because i mean being in in youth of the mission for i was in for eight years um it's not a comfortable thing yeah but it in a way can become comfortable yeah i think anything by faith yeah. You know, not knowing exactly how you're going to provide for this bill or how god's going to take care of it but mm-hmm. he does and then you kind of get used to that. And so your level of comfort is definitely somebody else's level of discomfort. And so, but God had to, God wanted to put you even, even further. In yeah. And I think it. he's always doing that in our lives because the Bible says a just will walk by faith. So there's been many times in my life where I felt like if I could just get that, I'll feel comfortable. Mm. And then as soon as I got that... You know, the Holy Spirit pushes you. So you never get to that plateau where you're like, I'm at this pinnacle moment of spirituality where, you know, I, I just cruise. At least I have never been to that. I always get to that point, and for five minutes I feel great, and then God goes, hey, here's the next thing. Like, yeah. you really got a bigger mountain over there. And just to give that illustration, where I live, we have mountains everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I did that one time. I thought I was at the top. And then I came over the mountaintop, what I thought was a mountaintop, and realized it was just a foothill for a seriously high mountain. We were on a hike with my friend who lives, um, he, he lives in another country there, and he came to visit. He said, let's go for a hike. We'll go to the top of that. And I went, great. So like two hours later, we were at what I thought was the top. 
but it wasn't. <laughs> and I said, man, that's for you to go up to the high part. <laughs> I'm not an outdoor person. Yeah. So, but my point was like, a lot of times I think we all, I mean, definitely I'm guilty of it. You think like, if I could just get this in the bank or this, my kid to do this, or if I could just get this, you know, and I definitely felt like that. If I could have a house all paid off, mm-hmm. a car paid off, then I won't have to trust God, basically. You know, you don't say oh, that, yeah, but yeah. that's how you think. And so you kind of, you, you say words like maturity or, you know, wisdom, stuff like that, which means, for me, it means, like, I just can, like, do whatever I want, you know, and kind of live off those things. So, yeah, so that was, that was I think, what God was doing for me, preparing me. Hmm. And he's still doing that, definitely, putting me in uncomfortable situations, uh, which... I, at the moment, they don't always feel great, but they're definitely wonderful in the end. Yeah. And so you learn to trust God. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Doug, do you remember the first time that you heard God speak to you? Well, I don't know if I remember the first time, but I remember being raised learning about hearing the voice of God. And I can remember when I was really little hearing about uh, people around the world and getting words for them as I'd be praying. We, hmm. our family would, a common thing our family would do is we would sit around, we had um, globes and maps in our house and a lot of books. And so we'd read a story about somebody. A common story my dad would read us is a story, he read it to us like once a week, was a story called The Pineapple Story, which is about a missionary in Papua New Guinea. And he grew these pineapples and he wanted them for himself, but the natives kept stealing them. And then one day he decided, I'm going to give these pineapples to God. And then the natives came to him and said, you've become a Christian. <laughs> because, and he went, well, I've been a Christian the whole time. They said, no, you finally don't care about your stuff more than us. You know, and so oh, wow. he, it's a very famous story. But I remember times when we'd read those stories and then we would just pick a country and we would start to pray. And um, I can remember God speaking to me to pray for a child in this nation or whatever those type of things um that's been a lot of the moments when i was little you know um that i definitely heard god we'd get together and be just crying you know and as an adult i can remember the first time practicing intercessory prayer that i had done that i was like as an adult i sat down and i just said god i'm just gonna empty my mind and you need to speak to me what is on your heart I remember having a vision of children in India on a train and like crying, like weeping over something that I, 10 minutes before I didn't care about, you know? Hmm. So I knew that was God because that wasn't something I'd be naturally. Sure. I had no idea what was going on with them. So that's normally how God has spoken to me was through an inclination in my heart. Sometimes, like I said, that picture of the train, but a lot of times for me, it's more of an inclination. It's more of something I just am interested in at some point. Sometimes it's a news article. Sometimes it's something I, you know, hear about from a, a story somebody tells me. Um, I'm a pretty curious person. You know that about me. And oh, yeah. so sometimes it's just something that picks. I think God gives you that, you know, Absolutely. and I just get interested in it. And I go, oh, okay, wow, tell me about that. And so that's, I think God knows my personality. I know. I mean, I know he does. And. He tends to speak to me like that. And since you grew up in a house like that, and now you have kids of your own, how have you, like, how is their relationship with hearing God? How have you been able to help them? Yeah, it's, I think it's obvious that we know it's important, but it's interesting when you're trying to teach people how to, how to make principled decisions off the voice of God. We've been talking a lot about that because 
you know, I, I'd like to say that when you move somewhere like we moved, everything's like easy and it's wonderful. But there's been days where, you know, my kids come up to me and they go, we really don't like it here. And we don't, we wish we didn't live here. And this is really hard. <laughs> and I go, I do too. I, I, I don't like it here every day. And, and then we start to read the Bible. <laughs> and we start to go through the scriptures and we talk about heaven. And I say, just ask God about what heaven's like, what he's preparing for you. And we sit down and we have these powerful devotions where they start to talk about things that God has put in their heart that's so rich. It's so rich. And it gets you just like, it changes your life. So they speak to me and it's the voice of God coming through them a lot. So we do that a lot. Whenever we have a, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know if you can call them like a theological quandary or some sort of like, you know, you got one of those things that like, okay, here's my life. I'm supposed to be doing this for God. And here's how I feel. You have those situations where you go, this doesn't really line up. And then that's how you have to go and encourage yourself in the Lord. Oh, that's good. And you got to create that discipline. And I don't know if I like thought of that necessarily, but like uh, wandering minds of children will actually force you to do that because what else answer am I going to give them <laughs> so let's go to the Bible and that's been cool so we do a lot of that and uh, and then the joy of the Lord does become your literal strength like you actually get excited about like thinking about those things you know and it's not mind manipulation it's the power of the Holy Spirit he mm. transforms the way you think about things because in the natural Christianity is insane from beginning to end for us to follow it Obviously, I mean, we're worshiping a carpenter from 2,000 years ago that had a small group of followers. In the natural, that makes no sense. But when the supernatural hits us and you hear the words of Christ, you come alive. You read those red words and you go, wow, there was something different about this guy. That's not just a book. That's, you know, you open the scriptures. You read a scripture you've read a thousand times and then, wow. Yeah. It's alive. Then you know the Holy Spirit exists. You know you're experiencing God. Because you're like, okay, it's, it's there. Yeah. He's, so with my family, that's how we do it. It's often a discovery. Hmm. So we kind of sit down and I kind of let them lead it. You know, I give them the ground rules. Like, here's God's character. Yeah. But like, you guys find the way. And then it's cool because later on, oftentimes, we just had an experience with my oldest daughter where she was teaching me stuff that I taught her you know, in a moment of my frustration. And it wasn't out of arrogance, it was out of like, she was trying to encourage me, hmm. which was so cool. So I was like, all right, yeah, you're right. I did tell you that, and that is true. We all read the Bible together, and that's like, so, yeah, we're not like a big formal family where we have like times where we'll, you know, do, but it's it's in the course of the day-to-day where those type of things happen with us. That's really cool. Doug, I, I like asking people questions about the detours that they face in life. Um, obviously the call of God in your life is for what you're doing now mm-hmm. in this country um, where there's a lot of potential persecution for what you're doing. Um, so I'm sure there's a lot of detours and roadblocks and things in the natural that tried to stop you. What advice would you give to me about dealing with the roadblocks or, or detours in my life? Well, I think the, I don't know if I have advice, but I have some examples of things. Sure, that, <laughs> sure. I feel like not the expert on this, but I do know how I deal with when I feel like I'm at a roadblock. And what I try to remind myself is first, none of this is like eternal. So every situation I'm facing is in the natural. 
and Jesus' kingdom is eternal. And so that's, I have to consciously sit down with myself and actually train my mind to think of those things because sometimes your ministry or just life in general can be incredibly disappointing. You know, I'm not trying to be a downer here, but that's reality. You can feel sure. disappointed at your experiences. And if you don't realize that there's an eternity waiting for you and there's a reward in heaven and there's a whole nother thing, sometimes it doesn't match up. And so first I remind myself, okay, this is not... And then that roadblock doesn't have to be forever in this world too. That mm-hmm. those situations, frustrations, irritations, and just sometimes outright tragedy don't have to dictate like the next... And I don't have to respond to them in the way that the enemy has planned for me. So... I've had a lot of conversations with myself in my mind where I went, okay, how am I supposed to respond to this? What, what, like, what does God, and just praying, God, help me respond to this situation in the right way. Because, yeah, I mean, in the, in the natural, those things are, are everywhere. Right. Roblox are, there's reasons why we all shouldn't do the call of God in our life, in the natural. We shouldn't risk that conversation with our neighbor because you want them to like you. You shouldn't share the gospel with them. Or you shouldn't help that person because they may come into your life and hurt you. And, you know, you see people on, like, passive-aggressive posts on the Internet all the time about don't let anyone in your circle. But really, that's the opposite of Christianity. Christianity is about opening yourself up, just like Jesus did. Yeah. I mean, he let us all in his circle. Absolutely. <laughs> he died for us, like, for real. And so, to me, I think about, like, those roadblocks are going to be there. Jesus promised us those. He said, guarantee you're going to have difficult times. It's not going to leave you till the day you hit heaven. So if you expect them to come, it's kind of like in sports, you know, you're expecting to be hit if you go play hockey or if you, you know, expecting to be hot if you're going to play baseball in July. So it's something to be expected so you know that. So as you go into that, you're prepared. And so mentally as believers, we know that this world is not our own. Like we're preparing for another place. And so if we expect everybody to love what we're doing, be happy with us, and, you know, that includes Christians sometimes our family members to celebrate everything we're doing, then we're crazy, right? So we got to know Jesus, his own family member wasn't down with everything he was doing all the time. They didn't understand everything. Uh, Later on, his brother, but at first his brother was very skeptical, right? There's situations in, in our lives that can be thrown at us. And if we constantly think like, oh my, you know, woe is me, there's a roadblock, then we're missing his teaching. I mean, it's okay to be upset and sad, but to be surprised is kind of ignorant to the whole thing that he set up. So I've tried to remind myself, like, don't be discouraged when things don't go right, because that's like a natural outcome of struggling and fighting for something. And if it's going to be worth it, it's probably worth the fight, right? Like, yeah. if it was easy, everything would just be like, boom, the whole world would come to Jesus and it'd be over. But sometimes there's people we got to pray for a little bit longer than we want to. <laughs> or feel comfortable doing <laughs> yeah. people we got to love a little bit longer situations we got to enter that aren't like our forte sure um, yeah so I think we've got sometimes in Christianity we get a little too specialized and we go God made you for this thing and this well sometimes God made you just to suck it up and love people and that might be in something you don't really enjoy doing so we've got a little bit I don't know what to say about that but you understand what I'm saying yeah We've gotten a little bit soft, I think, in some of those areas. I'm not saying I'm hardcore. I've fallen into it, too. Like, I'm not that type of minister. I don't like doing stuff with those, you know, I don't like children. I don't like doing with teenagers or old people make me uncomfortable. Whatever people say. 
That reminds me of Sam Durham's teaching on pride, where yeah. we're, we're uh, one of the fruits of pride is that we limit who we're who are willing to minister to. Yeah, limit where, who we're willing to connect with. Yeah, and if you were to ask me. Ten years ago, it's the least place I would want to go on Earth. It would be it's an Islamic country. Yeah, I would say that's like last most difficult for me, not up my alley, you know. So I think God, I don't think He's going to send the, you everyone. But now I love it, you know. So yeah. I think that when the Bible says God gives you the desires of your heart, it's not like your initial desires. He transforms you by the renewing right. of your mind and changes your desires. And so I think that's. Thank God he does that. Oh, Thank yeah. you, Jesus, for that. Because, uh, yeah, he just doesn't throw us to the wolves. But he does bring us to uncomfortable situations that we didn't expect. And it's through those roadblocks, if we keep pursuing him, we wind up somewhere random that we didn't even know or doing something we didn't even or maybe ignorant to a year before a relationship started that we get to minister to somebody that just happened in you know, happenstance. So. Wow. That's good, Doug. What has happened in your life that showed you that Jesus was walking with you, but you didn't realize it until you looked back? I, I mean, my whole life. <laughs> A billion things. Um, I mean, from when I met my wife, I remember praying literally the day before I met her. And I said, God, if I never meet anybody, I'm okay. I, I just, because I just wanted, like, and I, seriously, I said that like a day before I met her. I think about my kids. We couldn't have children. And I remember praying, God said, I said, God, if we never have kids, whatever. I seriously, both of these circumstances are exactly the same. And then actually my wife was already pregnant when I had prayed that. Um, when I was going to the country we are going to, I didn't know anybody. And the place where actually now I'm at, um, Surprisingly enough, the man who started the um, place I minister in was actually from Pittsburgh. He's from my city. And he knew my dad, and he had gone there several years before me and had established this work and needed someone to go there. But I didn't know him or his story or anything. I never met him, had no idea. So then when I prepared to go, out of not only knowing one guy, I actually knew somebody else. Hmm. And he wrote me a Facebook message one day, said, I'm here. I'm at this project. Are you the son of? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I know your dad. He got me into YWAM, and I moved over here. And he goes, and I'm like, this is so weird. I'm going there wow. in a month, and and he said, I'm coming back to Pittsburgh. Let's meet right before you left. So I met him right before I left, like a week before I left, and he starts sharing about how his family went with his four kids, and all of a sudden I'm like, I can do this. Yeah, yeah. man, this guy's awesome. And I was just so motivated and encouraged by meeting him. But I didn't know him until I'd already bought the tickets, planned to go. And here he had lived there, learned the language, ministered, started this place, and done all this stuff in a much more difficult time when, you know, we didn't have the Internet and all sorts of stuff. So it was, uh, I said, wow, if he did it then, I could do anything. And this guy's a legend. So, like, how would God have known? Like, how, I mean, that's just a miracle. It's totally miraculous that God did that. Yeah. So... Yeah, the very place I'm working at was started by a guy from my city that I never met, that I only met after I already had decided to go, you know. So. Wow, it's amazing how God puts those things in place after we've said, yeah. yes, God. And he puts people like, in your life, yeah. too, like that. You know, like, I remember years ago, I went to, I was in Africa, um, 
just doing sports ministry. We were doing basketball. And I walked down this little trail in Liberia, and this kid walks up to me, and he doesn't have a Liberian accent. And he says, hey, how's it going? I'm like, where are you from? He's like, I'm from Philadelphia. I'm like, really? He starts telling me a story about how he had been sent, um, basically abandoned. Um, from had grown up in Liberia but moved to Philadelphia and then had been abandoned and sent back to Liberia and had nobody. And I walked in his house with all these people, random, he didn't have a bedroom, nothing. And I was like, wow, like God made me for this moment to meet you. Like mm. this is our, yeah. So then he ended up coming to the United States, living with me, went to Christian school in Pittsburgh, graduated, went to YWAM. Now he's you know serving in the military, U.S. military. Wow! So that all happened on a walking down a dirt road in the middle of Africa. I just got off the phone with him on Father's Day, and it was just such a rich time, you know. Like he's like blood to me. So God's like orchestrated that. I've got like a real like son, you know. <laughs> and he has he's so encouraging to me. It's actually given me a lot. And he's like a friend to me, too. Yeah. So, you know, God knew I needed that. And of course, um, so it wasn't just about me saving some kid, but God has created something, you know, there. So I think about stories like that. That's just totally random. You know what I mean? That's amazing. Last night I spent the night with another young man that I met that was just, he was homeless in the city of Pittsburgh, living at the bus stop. And uh, I just literally met him, like at total random. And he just came and started staying with us. And, you know, we've been friends for years. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it was just a sweet time with him yesterday. You know, so people join your life. And I think God, you know, obviously he ordains those things. So, I, yeah, that's a testimony. Those stories are just a testimony to that. Put someone in your life at a gas station or whatever. I have a lot of people like that where they've come up to me or I've come up with them or just get an inclination in my heart. Like I said, it's not normally like a voice, but... Yeah. It's, it's, so being aware of when God is moving or you know bringing those people in your path has been kind of a key point of your life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just being open to it. Because sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes people are weird or they're weirded out by you. Okay, <laughs> you yeah. think like, I'm supposed to help this person and you're not. Right, right. But you just kind of keep the lure in the water, you know what I mean? Like you just kind of are, all, you just live kind of like, you know, every day is an adventure, not closed off. I tell my kids all the time, stranger, not danger. No, strangers are great to meet. Like, we're supposed to meet these people and open up our lives to them. And somebody you may pick up today or see at a bus stop or whatever, they might be somebody that becomes like a great friend of yours, you know? So most of the people that I consider like very close to me are random people like that, that I've just come into my life, you know? Even in the country of like one of the people that we've been ministering to since we got there, I just met her one time at the grocery store. I invited her to have dinner at our house. We became friends. My wife just loves her, and we should keep sharing the gospel with her. She hasn't come to Jesus yet, but we're hoping. Um, so, yeah, so I think knowing that God's always up to something is a big thing. Hmm. And that it's not all on us. That's good. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I don't orchestrate any of that. I just get to live free. Let the Holy Spirit, like, figure it out, you know? Some uh, I might sit next to, you know, this is an interesting thing. One of the people that supports me financially to live over there, I met on a plane, just sat next to her. And she was reading a book, 
And I went, I know that book. It was a missionary book from YWAM. And we became friends. And anyway, we've been friends for, I don't know, a long time, more than 10 years. And she has been one of the most faithful people to pray for our family, Hmm. encourage our family. And we met, you know, we didn't meet at some big wig conference or anything. It was just God put me next to her on a plane, you know. So I know how he, that's how he works. So your life has been full of along the way moments where God has just showed you himself and through other people and through those opportunities. That's awesome. I think he knows. He knows that's the only way to get my attention because I have a very short attention span. <laughs> that is true. So he's just true. like, I'm going to take him to Wendy's today and make this person talk to him. <laughs> yep. So yeah, I think that's. Uh, oh. He knows. You know, I. Another one of my favorite verses is that he remembers we were made from dust. Hmm. It's an amazing thought, right? He's mindful that we're nothing. And so he knows that I need his help. Yeah. God's like mindful of me. He knows I was formed out of literally dust. I was formed out of the dirt of the earth. It's like pretty amazing. So I'm incredibly thankful for that. So the pressure's not on me. I can trust God. That's so good. Sometimes we put the pressure on ourselves way too much. And we, we we don't acknowledge that God's there with us. Yeah, and I think even for, I mean, for myself, there's been a lot of times where I thought I was the savior of the world, like I said earlier, and I realize I'm, I'm very helpless in being able to solve the world's problems. And I, I think the more you realize that God is actually up to, He's really powerful. And, you know, if you just take an open posture, to mm-hmm. like, what's He going to do? He does some cool stuff. But yeah, if you'd have yeah. told me how it all worked out, I would never, you know, it would have been crazier than fiction yeah well speaking of that Doug one of my favorite questions that I like to ask people doing these interviews is if you could go back in time and and meet yourself like a younger version of yourself maybe 16 17 whatever you know 23 whatever it might be um, where would you interact with yourself and what advice would you give yourself um it's a great question no wonder you're doing these. You have good questions. I think the lessons that I learned, you talked about a man named Sam Duram who talks about pride. Another thing he talked about is integrity. And one of the, his, obviously it's from God, but the teaching where he talks about your character has to be stronger than your ministry. Mm. I think that's the greatest lesson of anyone's life, certainly for mine. Because there's been many times I um, ministered out of not that just ministered off of like ability or just you know common wisdom you know sometimes you're saying something to somebody you're like this could be like the Dalai Lama or anybody like this really doesn't mean anything and that's when you know you've lost your edge Mm. Um, my daughter plays hockey I had to get this in on the podcast somewhere absolutely I love hockey hockey's the best sport ever if you're listening go see it live it'll change your life but I don't know anything about hockey I never played Till as an adult, so I'm learning now. But I, um, when we moved there, I actually found a hockey program in this random country, and I was so excited. But I didn't know where they could sharpen their skates, and I didn't know that was a big deal, like sharpening skates. I, mm-hmm. I, again, I don't know anything. So you're actually supposed to sharpen your skates, like if you're practicing, 
you know, every 15 hours or so, or that's like late. Some people sharpen them, you know, every week if they're practicing three times a week or so. Wow. So, but the reason is your your blade loses its edge, and you can't stop and turn. And so anyway, the first year I signed her up, you know, she probably had she had three practices a week. So that's a lot, and I never sharpened them. So it was like from like September to March. And I, I'm like thinking everything's calm. I'm like, they're basically fine. You know, then in March, I'm like, yeah, we should probably sharpen them. I took them to the trainer and he started screaming at me. He texted me afterwards in the language, basically berating me, saying, um, how could you never sharpen these? They had no edges. These are like almost destroyed. But I didn't know. I thought their skates were fine. And I think spiritually speaking, there's often times when we have no idea we've lost our edge. Mm -hmm. And um, now that I've learned to play hockey a little bit, I'm, I'm awful. But I also know I now can tell when my edges need sharpened. Mm -hmm. It's when I try to make a quick stop, I can't. And in the same way, spiritually speaking, when you have to have a moment where you've got to give grace to somebody that in the natural you can't, that's when you know your edges are slip, you know, they're not sharp anymore. Or when you're really trying to give a word that maybe is not friendly. Mm. Sometimes we have to give a difficult word. And you kind of find yourself flattering someone and being real generic. We can all fall into that. And that's how I know I'm, I've lost my edge. When someone says pray and I go, I don't have anything to say. You know, you just start talking in those prayers. Or, or, you know, if you think about what scriptures have inspired you and nothing comes to mind of like, what's happened in the past week or two, then you know you've lost your edge and you got to go back. So that's the type of things I would tell myself is like, keep that edge. Make do you have a date? Sure. Do you have like a, a earlier version of yourself like that you would... A birth. A birth. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would just, I, I think, yeah, I, I would say to myself after moral failures, like mm -hmm. don't be too afraid to just repent, swallow your pride and tell those people you lied to them or tell that person you did that. Um, oftentimes we're so scared of that and get it quicker because lies can grow or different things can happen in our lives where we just accept things. And when you have a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, that's what I would tell myself. Like, you know, you remember years ago we had a time at YWAM where we all repented about movies. Mm -hmm. And we were bringing in like PG movies some of us were repenting of. We were so convicted. You know, it was such, but it was really real. Yeah. We all like felt like God. We don't want anything, we don't want to watch anything that will distract us from you. And it was a real, and we, and we all asked ourselves, like, how come we are okay with gratuitous violence, but not nudity or, vi or cursing? Like, why is violence okay? And why is it, you know, we all have a different weird standards that we created, and we never asked the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But we had that moment where we just had this real time. And I remember, like, it's kind of funny because it was a long time ago, burning VHSs or throwing them away. I don't know what we did, but I remember grabbing VHSs from yeah. my room and going, I, can't, I don't need these movies. But I'm saying that sensitivity, I would say I would give that to myself as young as I possibly could mm -hmm. that I understood that and say, it's okay to say sorry and you're wrong and ask God to keep you sensitive because you don't want him to get to the point where he's just got to go. You know, we all know the C.S. Lewis quote where there's two types of people. One... They say to God, thy will be done. The other one, God says to them, thy will be done. Mm. You know, so you want to be that person where you can say to God, thy will be done. And that's in the little things. Yeah. And I think the biggest key, I mean, I'm no 
theologian or philosopher, but I know for my life, it's the little things are the biggest things in life, just the day to day. And um, if you can keep sensitive, you know, you said that you, <laughs> word under your, you know, you, that word snuck out that you know you should have never said, and nobody was around you, but you're, you don't, you're not sensitive to it anymore. And then yeah. you say it in front of your kids, or, mm. or, or you said that white lie, or you kind of changed that story, or you manipulated that thing. And these are all things I've done, you know? And, and you get to that point where you go, man, I'm, I'm just missing the mark. And it's, it's okay to be sorry. It's okay to say you're wrong. And it's okay to say, God, is there anything in my heart that doesn't please you? On a very, very small level, don't be too good for it. That's what I would tell myself. Don't be too big and bad to say, like, I need to go back and sharpen my edges, you know? That's a lot to digest all over again. <laughs> That's so good, Doug. Let's go throw away some DVDs tonight, huh? Yeah. You've mentioned a few verses throughout our time together here. Um, do you have what you would consider a life verse? No, but I have a, a life story in Second in Samuel. Um, there's a, I don't have a life verse. I love all the Bible. I don't know. A lot of Bible verses come to mind. So, yeah, the short answer is I have, no. I have a couple. So The short worry. answer is no. But my favorite story in the Bible is a tie the Gittite. And you've heard me preach on that before. That's been my life story. It's a beautiful story where a guy joins David's army. He doesn't know David's about to be overthrown by Absalom. And um, David basically says, you can go to Absalom's side because you just came yesterday. David is fleeing Jerusalem, and, Abs- and, and Atai says to David, your God is my God. Wherever you're going, I'm rolling with you. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful story, because he doesn't know the future, but he knows that David's on the right side of God. Mm. So David is fleeing. Absalom's coming down to Jerusalem to take control of the country. He has the hearts of everybody. He's going to be the new guy. Well, shortly after that, a tie goes out to the desert and everybody's crying and it's boohooing and it's a bad thing but a tie stays faithful to God ultimately but he barely knew him hmm. so I think we can have great faith in a very short amount of time about key pivotal moments in life it doesn't take a theology degree so a tie was you know part of Israel for one day literally hmm. and then David defeated eventually got his kingdom back and he picked three people to be in charge and he chose a tie as one of his three. So engrafted into the family of the Jewish people and the story of God is a man that knew about God and knew about Israel and all that type of thing for a day. And he became a leader. Wow. So that is my favorite story because it shows that it is not about intellect. It is about decisions you make in the simple moments. So one of my favorite quotes, it's not a Bible verse, but is, is um, success is found in common hours. And I really think that for me, um, but I think for many people, and I think it's the way God really works, it's been my experience with God, is that way too often I'm waiting for some big cataclysmic moment where I reach this experience with God, but really success is opening my Bible that day, reading the Bible, forgiving myself, forgiving other people, you know, renewing my mind, um, allowing God to change me in little things. Little things, man. Little things. A couple weeks ago, I was chewing gum. I was walking across the parking lot, and I dropped that pack, that trash, and I took about 10 steps, and I went, no, I'm not doing that. I felt like an idiot walking back across the parking lot to pick up, 
you know, a very small piece of aluminum foil, but it's in those little things where, you know, I'm sure many times I was just dropped something like that yeah. and didn't care. But it's allowing God to re-prick your heart. To hear you say that about littering is, <laughs> is remarkable. <laughs> Shows God's real, right? <laughs> that's hilarious. But that's so true. That's, it's very practical, too, is those little things. Sometimes we want a life change. We want those things. We want them to be big and grandiose. Yeah. But God wants us to be faithful in those small things. And I don't think often God wants it would be such a, such a rip-off for God to just tell you everything to your relationship with him. You know what I mean? Like, what if on your wedding day, you knew everything that was going to happen? No, it's about the journey. Or what if the first time you go on a date, you knew, oh, okay, we're going to get married in a year or whatever. Or the first time, you know, when your child was born, you knew the next, you know, 30 years of their life. It's not exciting that way. And so we tend to think of God like we want to use him for mm-hmm. to be our genie. And I just don't think he's willing to do that. Maybe he just does it sometimes out of just his humility. But I think he would much prefer, from my experience with him, is that day-to-day, just walk with me. Let's hang out. Let me show you this person. Let's just like be a part of this. And that's why the, even the theme of your podcast is so cool, because it's all about just in the day-to-day. Yeah. You know, it's Paul at Mars Hill saying he was just happened to be there. He was just hanging out, waiting for the next thing, and then God pricked his heart. Yeah. So I think there's and a lot showed of... showed him that cultural key, too. Yeah. And, and God does that to you if you just got an open heart. And I mean, that's the story of so many of Jesus' miracles were who happened to be there. Somebody's waiting at a pool. Somebody just walks up to him. Someone comes through a roof. It wasn't all planned out and orchestrated. And it wasn't professional, you know? So it was... It can be professional at times. It can be very organized, and it's wonderful. But also, I think God is, a lot of times, wants to just lead us day by day. What uh, books would you recommend? Oh, man. What's a, well, what's you a know, book I'm a, you I'm a, what book I'm a book hoarder. Yeah. I'm a book hoarder, so this is a very... Um, I would recommend reading stories by real people that have done missions around the world. Um, Amy Carmichael's book comes to mind, or her autobiography. Um, the story of C.T. Studd is an amazing story. It's just called it's called C.T. Studd by, by Norman uh, Grubb. Yes, by Norman Grubb, cricketer and pioneer. It's not the first time that that has been mentioned on this podcast. All right, Tom. Tom, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, I like to read those type of books because those people can. Um, open your mind to a whole different type of world that exists out there. And a lot of, I'm not critical of what's being written currently, um, but it's hard to find those type of books that are just off the press right now. But I have found um, modern biographies that everything doesn't have to be from 500 years Mm -hmm. ago. You know, obviously all the YWAM publishing has lots of missionary books that I've read. Um, Tomorrow You Die, that book is amazing about Albania. That's from like not ancient history that's 30 years ago but imprisoned in iran another great book by dan bauman we, we met him in a conference right i didn't but yeah okay. but um anyways those type of books i would search out like missionary biographies and because i think people like hyper spiritualize all that mm. stuff so those people are not me but they're just normal people and i, I think you know i had a one of my heroes um, was Don Richardson, and he was he wrote a book called Peace Child, and that's a book I would 
That'd probably be the book. If I said read a book, I would say read Peace Child by Don Richardson. But he's like, he's my hero, and he um, moved to a tribe in Papua New Guinea that were headhunters and cannibals. And through an amazing story, which we don't have time to go into, converted them to Christianity. But the coolest thing is he came to my house a long time ago. And I had read his book as a kid. Yeah. And I'd watch his movie. He, he's also a filmmaker. And he um, just he was a genius. He just died. Um, but I asked him, how did you know you're supposed to move to Papua New Guinea? So I'm sitting there like, what smart thing can I think to ask this, like, guy that I really look up to who's a lot older than me and at that time I was like 20 mm-hmm. and I said um, it was the first time I met him and my family knew all about him and so he's there in our house this is my dad's house and he's sitting on our, our living room couch and I said Don how did you know you were supposed to move there what was like did you have a vision and he said that's the wrong question to ask and I was like what that's a really interesting response he said the question was never where I was going to go the question was, would I go? Mm. And he said, so I had to, God had to work on me long before he could lead me anywhere to have a heart that was willing to do whatever. He said, so getting to Papua New Guinea, finding these people, doing all that stuff, that's the easy part. But we think that's the hard part. He said, the hard part was getting to a point of surrender where I would just be obedient. Yeah. God could say anything to me. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. So... That was the best advice I ever got from anyone in my whole life was it's not about that destination. It's about having a heart that's prepared to follow after God. And that's in every single day. That's helping out your grandmother. That's serving somebody you meet at the grocery store. It's not about moving to a foreign country and being some missionary hero. It's about today, what does God have for you? And he said, you know, God led him to a point where he would just go anywhere. He care about going to Papua New Guinea or anywhere, you know, but it was the Holy Spirit transforming his life and saying, like, just do this. So that to me is a uh, amazing That's story so and very powerful. And yeah, I'm just thankful that he, he taught me that lesson. I'm glad he was, Spirit. he taught at my school too. Yes. Um, Doug, what is an advice, what is a piece of advice that you would give somebody that is afraid to take that step of faith? Um, that God is all-knowing. And that's one of the greatest lessons we can learn in life. He literally is all-knowing. We don't think He is. <laughs> He's also all-powerful. So He either is or He isn't. There's no in-between with God. He's either He's either God or He's like a man. So if He's a man, then just stop being a Christian, right? Like, why bother? Because we, we treat him like a, like a human, right? We treat him like he's got limitations and there's things he can't do or he's not interested in or he wouldn't want to t- hear, t- hear that from me. But we forget he has supernatural ability. And something I, even that word, supernatural, is something like, my son comes up to me all the time and he asks, like he'll see something and he'll ask, is that a superhero? Hmm. And I'm like, wow, superhero, what does that actually mean? But what does supernatural mean, right? Supernatural means it's above what we can comprehend, right? It's outside of the normal day-to-day things that we have seen, tasted, touched, all those type of things, right? And so God is supernatural. He really is. I know that seems so elementary, but we either believe that or we don't. So my, yeah, I don't know if I have advice to give, but the thing I have to remind myself in life 
is I'm not talking about some normal guy like from Jerusalem. I'm talking about Emmanuel, God with us. Like that's really powerful. So he's either that or he's not. So he either knows my future, knows my past, knows my hidden secrets or not. He either loves me despite my sin or he doesn't. He either physically <laughs> rose from the dead <laughs> or he didn't. So I, yeah, I take those stories for granted sometimes. I'm like, yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. And then I'm like, well, that sounds kind of crazy, right? So that either happened or it didn't. So he's either all powerful or he's not. It's, a, I think, a powerful, if you're afraid to take that step, ask yourself, why are you afraid? Hmm. And it's probably because you don't, you need the Holy Spirit to grant, help you with, give you more faith to believe who, like, it goes to that Don Richardson question, like, how did you get to this country? Well, it's not really about that. It's not really about being afraid. It's who is God to you. And if God is all-powerful, then you can take the step. And if he's got good character and good nature, then he's not going to give you something you can't handle. He's going to help you. So he's there. You know, he knows some people, like, I remember meeting someone over where I live, a missionary who's lived there many years, and I was so impressed with them. They serve orphans. They serve the poorest of the poor. They also serve severely disabled people all day, every day. And they've been doing it for close to 30 years. And I was just like in their house, like, wow, you guys are saints. Like, how did you do this? I can't even, I don't know how you do it, right? And then I remember the wife, she said, well, you know what's so cool about God? Is he never gave me anything that was like above what I could handle for that day. And I thought, that seems like a lie, you know? But really, it was true. She was saying, God's so loving that yeah. he's always given her the strength. And so if we're resurrected with Christ, then we do have that resurrection power within us to resurrect our attitude, resurrect our character you know so yeah i was that's a long answer to a short question but but that's very good advice yeah very good uh, not all not like a nugget like a takeaway but that's like <laughs> but there's so much in there doug i i i thank you so much for for spending some time with me and uh re- allowing us i to, love you j matt <laughs> allowing me to record this John. conversation uh we've been friends for such a long time and uh you're truly one of the, one of the best friends that God has ever brought into my life, and I'm so grateful that God has brought you along the way into my life. And it's not just a, uh, even though I don't know when the next time that it is that I'll get to see you. Yes. Um, but I am grateful for every moment that we've been able to spend together. And Jamet John is very committed to this job. Everyone that's listening, <laughs> I was 45 minutes late to my own house. <laughs> he waited on my porch patiently. So those of you who are listening know that he really cares about you. And um, thank you for waiting on my porch. I am so grateful for my friendship with Doug and his leadership in YWAM. He really does apply that principle of do first, then teach. And I appreciate how, even though it was difficult that he really wanted to encourage others to take that step to do cross-cultural ministry in areas of the world that are unreached. How do we respond to the call of God? I love that he said he shut down all the distractions for a month. He set aside time to seek the Lord about what to do for the call of God on his life. Even though it seemed like he was successful in ministry, he was still wanting to seek the Lord for what's next. He didn't want to become complacent, and I appreciate that so much. And he surrounded himself with people who have done that step, people that have 
moved to other countries long-term with their families. And he found out, yes, I can do it too. If they can do it, I can do it too. You don't need a complete plan. You just need the first step. Doug mentioned the verse, Psalm 119, verse 105. Your words are a flashlight to light the path ahead of me and to keep me from stumbling. You know, it's okay to not be perfect and to have a few missteps, but God will give you the next step when you take the first step. Am I willing to take the next step? Maybe even a first step. God, help us to find out what those steps are that you want us to take. I don't want to be in a faith cruise control, and I I kind of know what that's like. I've been there myself. When God calls you into a new season, it's difficult, but it causes you to be stretched so that you can learn more about God and have a deeper relationship with Him. We need to allow God to take control to go from one level where we are to another level where we need Him and we can go deeper. I love that Doug said, you know, the Psalms weren't his favorite, but now he has a fresh hunger for them. Just as our bodies crave what we need for health, so does our spirit. What is our spirit craving for? There's always a bigger mountain around the bend, there, but God is preparing us with each step for the next step, the next mountain, the next obstacle that we have. Doug mentioned a story that he grew up with called the pineapple story, and he gave me a link to a video on YouTube of somebody sharing that. So that'll be in the show notes if you'd like to hear that whole story. We need to encourage ourselves in the Lord to line up to Him, even when we don't feel like it. You know, I want my will to align to God, not God to try to align to my will. That's dangerous. And when we do that, the joy of the Lord really becomes our strength. In the natural, it doesn't make sense, but God will give us that strength. Doug gave some simple but great advice. Expect the roadblocks to come and be ready for them. Just like a hockey player or a football player expects to be hit when they're on the field. What are the things that we need to be expecting to be hit by? I don't want to respond in a way that the enemy wants me to respond. I want to respond in a way that God wants us to respond and in a way that affects the eternal. As I have been interviewing people along the way, I've been really noticing that the more we live by faith, the more obvious the along the way moments are in our lives. I really appreciate Doug's candor about neglecting to sharpen his daughter's ice skates and how important that actually was. And there's a spiritual connection with that. How do we keep from losing our edge? He gave the example of that he can't give grace when he needs to quickly. In what areas do I need to sharpen my edge? Am I saying to God, God, your will be done? Or am I being rebellious and God has to say to me, okay, your will be done? I pray that it's the first one. If you're interested in reading Doug's favorite Bible story of Atai, the Gittite, that can be found in 2 Samuel chapter 15. Our success is connected to our being faithful in the simple moments and in our relationship with Jesus. One affects the other. Doug talked about his chewing gum litter and how he had to go back and pick that up. Now that's a life change for Doug, for sure. You know, it's all about the journey. God's not a genie. He wants to walk with us every day. He wants to hang out with us. How do we let God do that? How do we become more aware of his presence? How do we become more aware of his friendship? 
The advice that Doug received from Don Richardson of the question's not where would I go, but rather would I go, is really challenging. What am I not willing to do for God that needs to change in my life? Our relationship with God is not as much about the destination as it is about having that journey and having a heart that is prepared to follow after God every single day. Here are some ways that you can grow in your relationship with the Lord on a very practical level. We can pray every single day. Just talk to God and make sure that you're listening to what he has to say to you too. One of the ways that God will speak to you is through his word. Read the Bible every single day. Also, go to church. Get connected with other believers, people that will help hold you accountable and help you to grow through encouragement by reading your word and living for the Lord every single day. If they love Jesus, they're going to love you too, and you can help each other. Another thing that I want to encourage you to do is to tell other people about Jesus and what he has done for you. The last thing that I want to challenge you with for this episode is, what does God have for us to do today? What is that step of faith that we need to take right now? It might be big, it might be small, but ask God, what is that step for me? Doug mentioned a few books in this interview, The Amy Carmichael Story, Peace Child by Don Richardson, and many others by YWAM Publishing, and I'll have links for those in the show notes. Thank you for listening to Along the Way. If you've enjoyed joining me along my way, please rate and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and at my website, alongtheway.media. You can always email me at johnalongtheway at gmail.com. I hope that you've enjoyed this part of my journey, and may you realize when Jesus is walking with you along your way. Your way.